The TV show is now available on Amazon, running the Triple Crown. Ryan Clayton and I collaborated on this project. Six episodes, they're all available now on Amazon, so check that out if you get a chance. Hey, this is Brittany Charbonneau, and this is the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. Great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man, so you keep doing what you do, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles (laughs) per day that I'm running. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 144 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a really great episode. We speak with Brittany Charbonneau, fresh off her big Pikes Peak Marathon win. Pikes is probably one of the most iconic trail marathons in the world. And this is a super fast roadrunner that is somehow converting it onto the trails. So excited to hear more about it and excited to do a film project with her coming up here also. So stay tuned for that. Also wanted to give a little shout out to Runner's Roost. You know, if you're in the Colorado area looking for a local run shop, I wanted to shout them out because they always are such a good sport and always support the podcast and the book and everything else. So big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my referral code, promo code 252888 to save 15% off your first order. I just tried out some Exoskin socks. They sent me some fresh ones. Oh my gosh. Uh, Definitely check out Exoskin. Check out the show notes for a discount code. And I just, I forgot what a fresh pair of Exoskins feels like. I mean, I've had some since Moab 240 of 2018 that I still wear, but nothing like getting a fresh pair. Uh, So big thanks to Croy for sending those out. But I got a bunch of different color options now and I got some it, it's weird to get excited about white socks because I haven't worn white running socks I think basically ever but check them out they have just high quality all-around gear big thank you to Kogala I've gotten a lot of requests on what light do I recommend during just big efforts 24 hours 48 hours multi-day type efforts and Kogala is what I personally favor. I mean, it's kind of earth shattering when you put a Kogala light on a waist belt and you can move your head around during the nighttime. 
but the settings of that light can get so bright that it's kind of game changing. It, it changes your mental attitude at night a lot of times and really helps you see on technical terrain. Can't recommend them enough. I'm thankful they're a sponsor for sure, but I would. it's hard to not use a Kogal light after you use that one, honestly. Big thank you to Destination Trail. They got a ton of races, virtual races. Um, listeners should definitely check out if you get a chance. Got those trademark belt buckles at stake. I think they have one of the longest virtual races available. So I know there's been a lot of races canceled this year, but Destination Trail is continuing to put on some really cool virtual races. So check them out. Last but not least, Patreon supporters. Giant thank you to... Brian Sands, he is now um, one of the the major sponsors within Patreon. Just huge huge supporter. Richard Murray too. Both of those guys are just crushing it. I really really appreciate them. And then still within this big shout out list, David, Brian, Meg, Landon, Pat, Joseph, Ray, Todd, and. Matthew, you guys are in the shout out tier. I really, really appreciate you guys. And hopefully we can have you all on again. Maybe have another Patreon kind of group chat here coming up soon. But regardless, if you're donating a hundred dollars a month or a dollar a month, I mean it's all going towards inspiring content for you guys. So I really, really appreciate you making this all possible and all work. Here's where I mess it up. Cause I've I've only done this 150 times. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm joined here by Brittany Charbonneau. 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 Yep. I'm joined here by Brittany Charbonneau, fresh off her big win at the Pikes Peak Marathon, probably one of the easiest marathons in the world. Um, huge congrats there, and I'm also joined by Alyssa Clark as co-host. Really excited to speak with you, Brittany. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, I feel like I could go run that uh, every day this week. It was a breeze. I, it's so easy. Why do you pick the easiest marathons, you know? I don't uh, really like to push myself. I'm sure you can relate. I kind of just like to keep it really mellow. I, I mean, yeah, mellow's relative, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, and Brittany, where are you joining us from? I am from Denver, Colorado, born and raised. Nice. Uh, it's we were discussing before we started, like, surprised I haven't seen you at many local races. But, I mean, the more I, I've dug in, I mean, I'm finding out that you're still waiting to get into the ultra running scene, it seems like. Yeah, and I'm... <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm terrified of that. But I think so last year was my debut into just trail running in general. And I was so adamantly against trail running for the longest time. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with ultras right now is I'm like, nope, I want no part of it. That sounds way too hard, way too long, not my jam. And I know that the more I keep putting it out there, I, I feel like I'm eventually going to be roped in and probably end up loving it. So, um, that's probably why we haven't been in the same races, but I, <laughs> it's probably bound to happen. So basically, we should expect that your first ultra will be like Tour de Jean or Moab 240, you know, since you just <laughs> you jump to Pikes Peak and you know, maybe an Olympic 
uh, trial qualifier or something in there. So yeah, yeah. Let's go with like pick the easiest one, and I'll do that. Perfect. I'm I'm still shocked about that, and I wanna I wanna wait to get to the details there. But the person I had flagged to take the win there uh, came in second behind you. I think by ten minutes. Uh, friend of the show. It just was shocking to see what amazing race you had. And first time I picked up on you and and reached out was, I think it was live during the New York city marathon. I want to say, uh, and I was a little shocked to see someone from Denver. They're a comedian. And I think at the time you're in like fifth place or something to that effect. Um, well, yeah, I was leading Might have the been race. Winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was terrifying. That yes. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen and that's still one of my most terrifying running moments of my career so far. Tell me more about that. I mean, that's a good place to start. Yeah, so I had so I've only been running pro and elite for um just about 3 years and so the New York Marathon was um, about a year after I decided to quit my corporate job and go, go running full time. And the New York marathon was my first world major as an elite. And so I was towing the line with the, the fastest marathoner women in the world. And I didn't know what I was doing. I felt so out of my league and I towed the line, get up there. And next thing I know I'm leading the race. And I remember the, um, the camera crew was following us and they're right in front of me on their motorcycles and their trucks. And I'm leading. And I remember looking around thinking I got off course or I happened to take a wrong turn because I was like, why am I leading this race? So it was cool, but it was also so terrifying. And then it was amazing because my family had all come to watch because they had never been to a world major. And it was just amazing seeing me, you know, in the lead, they were in the grandstands at the end watching this whole thing live. And I was at mile, I think I took the lead at like mile three or something like that for Mm -hmm. maybe five or six miles tops. And they were like, she's going to win. She's going to win this whole race, this whole thing. And my coach (laughs) was like, well, she's not, but, um, you know, like she's, she's being bold. She's, this is her first big race and she's not afraid to take the lead. But yeah, it was, (laughs) <laughs> it was so scary. Your your dad had already pre-ordered his Tesla by mile 10. and Oh, yeah. He, had, <laughs> he knew that this was going to be my big ticket, you know, race number one. <laughs> How did that race um, progress? How So what happened after you took the lead at mile three? I um, think, and, go ahead. I think I was in the lead until about mile six or seven, and then – it by my race just completely fell apart, um, as you can imagine, because I had my race plan in my head, and of course that flew out the window, and I let it fly out the window, and I just lost control of my race, um, and then so I was obviously going out way too hard, way too fast, and um, not following my plan, and then little did I know at the time I was really underfueled, and so um, I ended up struggling through the last gosh honestly, it was probably the last 10 K of that race. It was like stop and go. And just mentally, I was just exhausted. And I crossed the finish line and had to go straight to the medical tent. And, um, so it ended up, uh, the wheels completely came off, but it was such a blessing in disguise because it made me reevaluate so many things as, as all races do that don't go well, you have to evaluate all the different pieces and just get back up. And so there was a lot of pieces that 
really were such a blessing that came out of it, namely my nutrition. I started working with my dietitian shortly after, and that has really changed my running game um, like tenfold. And what kind of pace were you starting off at? Because I can um, totally relate to this pace. I just, I'm curious. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Multiply it by ten, times two, whatever you're running. Yes, double what I'm about to say. We, um, I'm pretty sure we started at about a six minute pace because the first mile of New York is uphill. Um, so that was a little bit shocking to me because I thought that they would all go out at our normal pace of 5:30. Um, so we started at like six, and then I think we gradually started to bring it down to 5:45, and then really where the pack took off, they started to bring it down to 5:30 and faster. And I wasn't trained for that speed quite yet then, but I tried to, and which is where it ultimately kind of blew up. <laughs> I mean, what was, what was the finish line like? I mean, it sounds like that last 10 K was kind of horrific. I mean, were you actually walking at certain points or were you able to continue to run? I kept stopping and just trying to get my body and legs to move. And there's this picture of me with this, one of the, um, New York biker, um, marshals, like, helping me making sure I wasn't going to collapse. Um, so by the time I got to the finish, it was just, I think I was so embarrassed. I think that that was more than anything. I think I had this grand vision in my head that this would be an amazing world major debut for me. And that, you know, I was going to be able to keep up with everybody off the bat. And that even though I didn't follow my race plan, I was going to be able to hold it all together. And it didn't. And my entire family was there and my husband's family and so I felt like I was letting everyone down, which is so funny because they were in awe that I, I still ended up finishing 17th. I was the 10th fastest wow. American. Wow, that's and awesome. <laughs> I was 10 seconds off of my PR. Um, wow. So it's all about perspective. And I look back and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm thankful from where I, for where I come from that race just a couple of years ago because it was nothing to be embarrassed about by any means. And, you know, it was all just learning. But that's how I... That's honestly how I felt at the end of New York that year. I mean, Prefontaine was probably smiling to himself, you know, watching you in the lead. You went for it. I mean, got a little <laughs> yeah. excited. And as fast as you were, I mean, we can all relate to going out too hard at some point during some race. So it sounds like it was quite the learning experience for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just one of those, like, okay, like anytime I feel like I'm going to just not do my race plan. I think about races like that. And I just remember the hardest part is actually trying to be patient in those early miles, especially as you get into these longer distances. And I'm saying longer distances like a marathon. Um, but trying to just it's a long ways. I mean, it's yes. a long ways for yeah. me, you know, until I start getting into these crazy ultras. Next so year, where? Brittany, 2021. <laughs> oh gosh. That's a little sooner than I was expecting. We'll chat. We'll chat about it. So, after or what were the lessons that you took and where did your running take you after New York? I learned so much. Um, obviously, like I said, one of the biggest pieces was um, getting my fueling under control. I was way under fueled and I was I kept ghosting my dietitian that fall. I just like felt like I was like, I don't need your help. Like I can do this on my own. I don't I'm That's eating there. fine. I I know what I'm doing and I didn't in any, in any capacity. And so I finally, I made New York made me realize that if I really want to be competing with the big dogs and if I really want to be feeling 
great at the ends of these races. And if my ultimate goal really is the Olympics and worlds and all of these big goals, then I really have to step up every aspect of my training and I can't have excuses and I need to lean on all of the people that are the experts that I'm not. And so that was like such a big realization for me. And it's so funny after I, um, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to, re- it was the week after in New York, I reached out to my dietitian and I was like, I want to work together. I'm ready to do the work. Um, I'm pretty sure I need more protein. And she was like, she started laughing and she was like, okay. And now I've trusted her and my diet's about 60% carbs and like 10% protein. Mm. <laughs> so like, I didn't know what I was doing, but it was just the, the fear of what that was going to look like, just digging into diet and fueling and stuff like that but I'm so grateful I have because that's just kind of led me to where I am continuing on my road career and ultimately getting to trials this year and then you know it's certainly been such a massive factor now that I've started to dig more into trails this year and doing big things on trails so yeah a lot of different pieces that I feel like all races stack up together and you learn all the you start to stack your learnings from all the different races and different experiences I love it. And I know also from the female perspective, that nutrition component is so difficult and it's so hard to just let go of it. Yeah. And it's scary because it's, I mean, the hard part is that we've got amazing access to social media now. And so social media looking at all of these elite runners' bodies and thinking, well, if mine, if I can get mine to look like that, then I'll be fast. And it doesn't work that way. It's, you're, you know, you, you look how you look and your body changes depending on what your training is like and what you're fueling your own body. So that's been another big piece that, you know, I've worked through and had to be honest about and, um, learn to drop comparison of that, you know, and that's like such a big piece of, I think a lot of female runners running journeys. It's huge. And it's, it's not talked about enough for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely more conversation to be had around it. I coach um, high school girls and middle school girls, and I think that's something that you know I try to try to bring to the table and not necessarily have to talk about, but just the piece of like making sure we're fueling and making sure that we're okay with our own bodies and giving it what it needs so we can perform our very best. Yeah, I that age. Oh gosh, but oh. It, it's hard also with running even from middle of the pack type view for, for me, knowing I get faster naturally when I weigh less. And it's always like a balancing act of not overdoing that type of mentality, but also realizing like, no, it's just physics. Like if I have yeah. 20 pounds less to carry around, uh, I physically can probably run longer and faster. Yeah, totally. But it is, yeah, it's that balancing act for sure. And so it was really cool uh, when we started uh, before the interviews, uh, seeing that board behind you, life goals, Alyssa pointed it out. Number one up top was, uh, what was it again? Uh, Olympics. (laughs) The Olympics. Yep. (laughs) Uh, I mean, share a little bit of insight into that type of thinking. Like, are you looking at, at that? daily? Is that something you believe in? Yeah. Um, tell me more about that because I'm a huge believer in having a chalkboard next to my coffee maker and looking at it every single morning. 
Yep. I've been looking at that for the past two years, to be honest. Um, and before that, it said Olympic trials. Um, I'm such a big proponent of having a dream board and letting yourself dream. And so, yeah, I put my original thing when I quit my job a couple years ago, I put Olympic trials. I wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials. I was about seven minutes off of the B standards for the Olympic trials. And um, I quit my job, then went out and um, pretty much my next race, I knocked 15 minutes off and qualified for the A standards. <laughs> wow. Like, 15 yeah, minutes off your marathon. Yeah. Yeah, it was absurd. And I had just started working with my coach at the time. So that's a huge piece of her handiwork there. And um, yeah, so I just, that was when I was like, well, I'm going to the Olympic trials. Like originally my goal was go to the Olympic trials and that'll be amazing. And we'll call it a day. And as I kept training, that was two years ahead of the actual trials. And so I was like, well, why couldn't I work towards making the team? Like if I'm going to go for it, if I'm going to go there and like go for this goal why wouldn't I just go all the way why wouldn't I shoot for that and so um that's what I have up here and I'm not afraid to say it I think that that's a piece nice. that is yeah. so important like and I right now I'm like I want to make the U.S. mountain running team I want to make the Olympics for 2024 and I think the more I can say it the more it puts it out into the universe and then what I found is that the more that just opens up opportunities for um, people crossing your paths that help you get there. Right. And so, um, putting that out there and looking at it every day and something that I really had to help myself do is take the ceiling off of my own dreams and not put them there. I feel like we sometimes have societal ceilings that are put on top of us, but for me, it's, um, just stepping into myself, trusting in my work ethic, trusting in my journey and, putting that goal out there and then just like letting myself dream as big as I want, knowing that I'm going to be putting in the work to get there. So, um, you yeah, know, so you I know, the it. secret, it sounds like, honestly, well, like we're, we're getting there, you know, it's, I don't know. I hope so. But, um, us, us mountain team. Okay. Brittany, you're on, um, <laughs> you, you qualified <laughs> over the weekend. Um, <laughs> I hope so. honestly, I was just finishing my resume cause they're taking resume, submissions and I was that's what I've been working on all day and I that's been that's also been like it says like Olympics and then uh world mountain championships like especially when I just discovered that those were a thing you know is, within the past few months so <laughs> this is a yeah. big deal for team USA I mean this could shatter a lot of of those competitions having the crossover athlete like yourself actually I don't want to say take the risk on the trails, but it's just a totally different world, as you know. Yeah. Um, and it's so rare to see that crossover. Um, and, and if it happens, sometimes it doesn't happen that successfully. But you, of all people, have you've been leading the New York Marathon. <laughs> and, um, and, and, yeah, Pikes Peak. I mean, I want to hear more about how you made the transition, how... 2019 went for you and just kind of walk me through how you modified training that sort of yeah so um yeah I feel like this has just been like this strange haphazard thing that has come to fruition but that's kind of the fun part of all of it so last year it was last spring I was supposed to run the 2019 London Marathon as an elite and 
leading up to it, I started to get a back injury in my SI joint. And so it was like touch and go for for two weeks leading up to the race. We, my coach and I still traveled to London trying to decide if we were going to make the call of, can I run this? Can I power through this marathon with this back injury or should I drop out? And should I not, should I not run? And so we made the decision the day before the race that I was going to not run because we knew that I would risk my upcoming fall season leading into trials training if I tried to push it and really hurt something even worse. So that was such a bummer being in London, ready to race and not having to race. But the most amazing pieces that came out of that, again, it's like New York where these amazing blessings can come out of it. And so we were over there and (laughs) we decided that I wasn't going to run and we were going to go get lunch and we were going to talk through everything. And I was like, okay, if I order a cocktail, this means it's over for this race. I was like, that's like the nail in the coffin. And so I ordered a cocktail and I was like, okay, I'm not running London. And so uh, my coach and I ended up just chatting through all these pieces of what's going well, what's not. And you know, one of the biggest pieces was that I was training so hard on all of these hard surfaces. I I was, I mean, 98% of my runs were on asphalt or cement. Like I'm running on bike pads and streets. And she was like, she's a trail runner herself. And she was like, you've got to get on on trails um, for those softer surfaces. And I was adamantly against it because in my brain, trail runners were like, these gritty dudes that all had beards and that, um, had these like weird trail shoes and those like high socks and they all drank beer and they ate granola and they had these backpacks that they ran with. And I was like, why do you need a backpack for a 10 mile run? Like I just didn't get it. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm working um, on my beard. This this feels like a a put down, but continue. I'm like, check, check, check. So my coach convinces me to get out there. Mind you, my coach is this like adorable little tiny blonde runner, just like myself, that has none of these trail qualities. So I don't know where in my brain this came, this was in my head. But also, I think I'm just naturally afraid of nature. And so I was like against this whole thing. And she finally convinced me to get on trail. We went for just like a local trail in the foothills and I loved it. And so, um, I was like, well, there's Leadville coming up. So I'll sign up for the heavy half in three weeks. Um, so I did the Leadville heavy half. Um, that's three not, weeks later. not typically where you start, but okay. Yeah. yeah it, was like a, so it was a 15 mile race and she was at mile two or three and I had to stop. Cause I was like, Jenny, how do I get up this hill? Like we hadn't trained really for it at all. Um, but I ended up winning the race. Um, so, uh, that was kind of my first foray into that and kept kind of kept doing some trail running throughout last summer. And then won the, I won the Aspen backcountry heavy half marathon in August. And that was kind of my trail season last year. It was kind of like fun and a nice debut. And, you know, so this year I had planned, like, maybe I'll just have another little small trail season, Um, and especially after trials, I'm coming off of a great finish at trials and really excited for road. And, you know, at this point I would probably be training for a road marathon, um, right now, but of course with everything going on with COVID that wasn't happening. So I was just like, well, I'll just, honestly, my goal this summer was to just try and get as many crowns on Strava as I could on trail. (laughs) Like that was my goal. Cause I didn't know that there were FKTs. I didn't know about 
world mountain chance, any of this. And so I started to learn more about it. And so I was like, oh, I didn't know these bigger goals existed. I want to go for that. And so I've just um, started training more on trail. And it's funny, my coach leading up to my um, Maroon Bells FKT a few weeks ago, she was training me. It's insane too. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so I was doing double. I mean, I don't know what you guys do necessarily, but I do. I did two you know, quote unquote, long runs back to back on the weekends. Like I would do a longer run and then a semi longer run, which I've never done that in road training. So that's kind of where the biggest shift of my training came in with trail this season. It's riskier. I mean, from my, again, limited experience, kind of middle of the pack type training, but your body just has that high inflammation level from that Saturday workout that it sounds like you're probably doing an 18 miler and then followed up with like a 13, 14 or. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, your body's just, everything's tight. And it, what I really like about it is as I've progressed and become a little more consistent, it's like it takes two or three miles on that Sunday. And then all of a sudden this magic event happens in your body and everything kind of normalizes. Is that what you've been experiencing from this change in training? Um, not it's still as much, painful. Yeah, no, not as much as I expected. And honestly, um, I thought it was going to be a lot more painful. I'm actually in complete awe at how my body's handled all of the transition and training. And honestly, I, I felt better doing all of these hard climbs and these back-to-back runs and all of that than I typically do on road just because it's so much uh, gentler on my body. So, mm. um, and I've gotten used to running on tired legs on trail. So I think like that's kind of been my biggest shift is getting used to that second run, knowing it's going to feel a little bit tougher, but knowing like this is the point, like it's supposed to feel this way. So I can get used to running on tired legs and just kind of giving just a um, consistent effort versus, you know, trying to trying to max out on either run. It's just kind of getting those miles in and getting those climbs in and just mentally practicing so I'm actually really surprised at how well um knock on wood how well I've felt and how well my body's managed it I think we've got you on the trails though it's sounding like it <sighs> it's so addicting we just need I, it you is. To, we need a beard I, <laughs> one of those <laughs> weird backpacks in the mail oh my gosh <laughs> I will rock it 100% <laughs> like a Rob Carrara yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll wear my hair down and the whole thing. I'll go for it. I'll get like a I'll get like a plaid um, crop top and everything. I'm, I'm going hard. Drink some maple syrup along the way. Uh, I'm from Vermont originally, so gotta throw in the plug. So, how did you go from saying that you had an aversion to nature to then deciding to take on a very difficult FKT? Um, that's, that's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just started to like get more confident and just, just with all the practice and also just, I kind of started to think about, well, if there is, if there are treacherous animals out there that are ready to eat me alive, at least I'll be out here experiencing this unbelievable trail that we have. Like, I think it's kind of like, I'd rather I'll risk it because it's, so unbelievable the things I get to see on these runs and also I just made art recently that um I was like okay I think that mountain lions have like a 
state trooper radar gun that they're gauging, like if they're going to eat me or not. And if I'm going fast enough, it'll show up on their radar that I'm too fast for food. So that's also what I tell myself is that if I go fast enough, they won't be wanting to put in the effort to eat me. Um, take, <laughs> so. take a, take a training partner, like, like me or Alyssa and that's all you need. Mm-hmm. If you can outrun <laughs> one of us, yeah. we're, we're the bait. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate being the, being the bait for me. Um, that FKT, it's probably one of the most beautiful areas in all of Colorado. I mean, why did you select that area? And I want to hear more about warning of, I mean, were you nervous? How'd it go? Sure. Um, I had picked it because last year, last summer, <laughs> um, the day before I ran the Aspen race, which didn't go where the Maroon Bells are, but we went to the Maroon Bells because my coach and my um, friends were like telling me all about the maroon bells. And I had, I was like looking at them with a blank face, having no idea what they're talking about. And they were like the maroon bells. And I was like, yep, no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, so they took me to the maroon bells and my, I have training themes every week. And so my training theme that week was John Denver, obviously. And so, um, I went there because we were like, you know, channeling John Denver and like I was discovering what these maroon bells were and the whole thing. So I had only been to just where the lake is where you take the photo. And so that was, I was like, I'd love to run more of that this year. And that I knew was one of the most iconic um, loops that we have here in Colorado. And by this time, I mean, this is probably July that I decided that maybe late June, early July that I wanted to um, give it a go to make the U S mountain team. And so I knew that if I could run that, it would be well known and, you know, really difficult. It's 27 miles and, you know, 8,000 feet or so of gain. And, and also just so stunning. Like everyone talks about how just absolutely beautiful it is. And so I was like, well, I'll just do that one. Um, so that was why I picked it was just wanting to run it more. And then, um, just, we had just visited it the year before. I, I need to make it out there. It's one of those places I know a lot about, like every, all my friends go there and I almost don't want to talk about it on the podcast because <laughs> it cause it's like this somewhat secret place that's yeah, stunningly right? beautiful. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. Like I had, I took video footage throughout the run and I'm so thankful that I did because it, it was those moments that you're like, I can't believe that this exists. And I can't believe I'm seeing this. I can't believe I'm seeing it all in one run. Yeah. I can't imagine. Plus at your speed. And I mean, tell me how the actual FKT itself went. Did you find yourself face flat on the trail at all? Did you see that mountain (laughs) lion clocking you or? No mountain lions, lots of marmots, which were actually quite terrifying as well because they <laughs> look enormous on the trail. Um, but yeah. luckily, um, I had only taken one. I didn't fall. I just nailed a rock somehow with the side of my knee, um, so like a boulder. Um, that was my only uh, like mishap on the trail. But it was, yeah, I was pretty nervous going into it. Looking back, I didn't think I was nervous about it, but I was looking back, especially comparing it to how I felt going into Pikes because I had never, my highest climb I'd ever done 
run in a single run was like 4,500 feet. So I've, I've never done anything that, that hard or that long. And then I was also out there by myself. So I did it unsupported. And so I had to make sure that I was navigating the trails. So I had directions written on my arms and, um, I had studied the course before and I'd run the last pass, um, a couple weeks prior to that, but I was, there was a lot of different factors that I was pretty nervous about. And then of course, when you're going for a record, you're, that is what you're thinking about. I wasn't looking at time necessarily, but I, you know, you, that's constantly going in your brain. Whereas Pikes, I didn't have a time record. It was, or a time goal. It was just kind of go run hard and see what you can do. So it was interesting having, you know, I think they were about 18 days apart or something like that. And so having just different experiences and different comparisons. Yeah. I was going to ask that your, your genius combining those two as like the blowout effort. And then I assume after the FKT, you taper into Pikes, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's almost like the standard operating procedure for Pikes going forward. It, the course profile probably, I mean, Pikes is 8,000, right? Yeah. And yep. Bells is 27, so it's almost identical, except it's, it's I mean, it's not a constant um, up for the first half and then down for the second half. It kind of spreads it out a little bit more, but it seems ideal type training, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was actually, I felt super prepared going into Pikes because of that. Because, and actually, I was more excited to just get the whole climb over at Pikes. Like, it was just, yeah. let's just do the 13 miles uphill. Let's just get it, get it over with. And whereas it was really challenging to switch from that fast downhill to then those last couple climbs. The last climb on the FKT was um, only like a mile long, it was really short. And that was by far the hardest because my legs were just done and it was hard to make that switch. But then I felt confident after that FKT, then I felt confident going into pikes because then I got to taper as well. So I knew that I could do the climb. I knew I could do the distance. Um, and then I was getting to run on fresh legs where I wasn't up for the FKT. I have a weird question. How was the last 10K of New York City in Bonksville? Um, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very specific spot in Manhattan. Oh, yes. Um, Versus that that last climb for your FKT. Uh, the last of New York was worse for yeah. like physical and mental reasons. Physically, I literally just didn't have gas in the tank, and then also I was just it was for me then at that time it would be different now. I've grown a lot, but at that time I was so humiliated because you can imagine you're having a terrible race as an elite runner and literally the streets of New York are lined with people watching you fall apart. Oh, and yeah. so I had, I mean, there was like, I don't know, probably half a dozen or a dozen hikers that were watching me climb this mountain. And I was singing Hamilton at the time. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I was fueled at that point, but, um, yeah, it was a different experience for sure. So I think the New York one is actually harder. And how fast did you put down for the FKT? Like, what was the time? Do you think that will stand for a while? I mean, there's not many two thirty six marathoners that go out and throw down that FKT. Yeah, I ran it in 5.18 was the whole thing. And so Ashley Brassavan, who got second at Pikes, she's a friend of mine as well. She ran it the month before, and she ran it in 5.27, I want to say. Um, and I was like, so I was planning to run. She's still friends with you, by the way. 
I no, know. I'm just I'm kidding. kidding. <laughs> like, she's probably like, what are you doing? Can you just stay on the roads, please? Um, but she uh, she ran it the month before, and I had no idea she was going to be running it, and she had no idea I was also planning to run it and training for it. So she got to keep her FKT for like a month, and then, of course, here this rogue runner comes again and <laughs> just doesn't know quite what she's doing and just throws that down but yeah who knows who knows I'm happy I hope someone comes and breaks it because it's fun like you know that's what all the records are for so eventually someone will oh definitely so you've mentioned a couple of times the I have a theme for training and um I'd love to I know a little bit I've heard it you want another podcast um but so I'm kind of leading you into your awesome training uh philosophy because i think it is so cool and so original thanks yeah it's really fun so uh coming off of london so you know not running cocktails my coach and i one of the other big pieces that came off of london last year was that i was looking back and i was pushing so hard i was training so hard and everything was intense and i was doing all the things that i thought elite runners should be doing at that time and i was just not having as much fun as I wanted to. And I love running so much that I was just like, man, I'm just like, I don't want to keep looking back and I don't want to get to the end of my running career and think, man, it would have been awesome to have more fun. Um, and not, and I don't, I don't feel like I was enjoying training as much as I wanted to. And so I was just throwing out ideas. I was like, you know, like I want to keep the fun in it. Could we have like a weekly theme or something like that where, you give me the theme and then it's my job to creatively incorporate it into my training. Um, and she's got an art background and she's so on board with all my craziness. And she was like, absolutely. So we started doing themes every week and they've just evolved from there. So we've had themes like superheroes and, um, homecoming and, uh, like then we, then we started to evolve it, especially leading into trials, um, to people and just people that, dream really big and that have done really big things and that have just really good energy. So I've used different people like Julia Child and The Rock and Oprah and Michelle Obama and the presidents and um, Sacagawea and, and just all these amazing people that I get to learn about throughout the week and incorporate into my runs. And then Mondays are my off days. So I always take a day off of running every week and that's my mandatory creative day. It's even in my training plan. And I have to make a piece of art that, uh, recaps my week or somehow, you know, incorporates all of the fun I had from the week that previous week in training. So, um, it just keeps it so fun and it's just bonkers and it keeps the playfulness in it. And I get to, I love costumes. So a lot of times I'll get to wear a costume on my runs or, um, run new places that like I'll run to different streets that have that person's name or something associated with that person or whatever it might be, just so I can keep changing it up and keep running fun. Because honestly, like that's what it should be. And I get to do this as my job and I get to do this for a living that I want to take advantage of it and like enjoy every single run and not waste a single run. I heard art. I never get an opportunity to ask. I know. Like, what what kind of art? (laughs) That's awesome. It's a loose term of art. Like painting, sculpting. Okay. Yeah, I do, like, digital collage art. And so, basically, (laughs) I kind of Frankenstein my people. So, I like to pretend that – I like to envision what – 
some of these people would look like if they were to show up at the Olympic trials, for example. So I created Dolly Parton. I like, I put her in running gear. I put all my people that are my themes in running gear and I, um, but I sometimes have to hodgepodge their bodies together. So I made like Amelia Earhart was one of my themes, this, this training cycle leading into pikes. And I had to take, not, not a good one for, sorry. <laughs> Digital art, a little bit more difficult. I, I wouldn't have them on, on my, my pikes. I'm sorry. Like crashing and burning. Just. Oh, at- oh. she was, she was flying. As, <laughs> sorry. Had, uh, mode, as you can imagine. Um, so yeah, but it's been really fun. Like, and that's just like fun to also just let my creative side out and like let anything that comes in my head be okay and not have to have any rules and just get to play in that and get to recap. It's so fun to look at all of my pieces that I've created and just get to remember all the fun parts of different runs and different weeks and weeks that were really hard and weeks that just were so different. Um, sounds like it's a, just a cool way to like recap it all. Sounds like a perfect book, honestly. 52 weeks oh, with you. like That's my goal. It'd be that's fun. Yeah. I'll put that on my dream board. I love that. Like right below so, Olympics. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't even and, know who my theme would be for the Olympics. That would have that would be big shoes to fill. It would be a big one. So you also said that you're a coach. Do you incorporate um, your art into coaching? And how do you do that if you do? Yeah, I don't necessarily incorporate my art into coaching, but I certainly incorporate different themes and different ways to play on runs. I try to incorporate for my runners, I try to give them different ways to make running fun. And I also have a, um, there's a line in on every single day, a line item that my runners have to write their yay of the day. And so I want them to write something that was awesome on their run or that happened in their day. And it can be anything like I, I, I believe that there is, you can always find one thing good that happened in your day, even if it's like, I washed my hair today, which is often one of my yay of the days, um, that even if that's your win, great. Like, um, so I incorporate that in and then I have some of my younger girls that I coach and I, this summer I made them running bingo. And so it was their job to, um, check off all these different types of runs on their bingo sheet. Like they had to, um, find all of the colors of the rainbow on a run or um, get every member of their family to run with them at some point. So it's getting other people out with them or dressed head to toe in one color. And sometimes I'll join them on that. That was a fun run. So I try to incorporate just different ways that I've tried to make running fun in my training and encourage my runners to do the same in theirs, because I truly believe that running doesn't have to be monotonous. It doesn't have to be a grind. It like should be fun. And that's why we do it. And that's, what's going to get you to your goals. Oh, beautiful. Enjoy your training. I have, I have a very, very similar uh, thought. So I I couldn't agree more with you. Um, I want to hear about pikes. I've been trying to like pace myself. (laughs) Yeah, You're trying not to lead the race. Trying uh, not not to three miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a great story, by the way. I enjoyed that. Um, so you got 18 days. You just threw down an FKT that's been tested by a lot of really, really great mountain runners, and you have to have some confidence. I mean, is your knee bothering you? You got 
18 days to taper down, and I'm assuming expectations are fairly high for Pikes? Yeah, kind of. Um, I feel like I went into it a little bit oblivious and naive. Um, luckily, I recovered really well from the FKT. Um, my Both my knees were super sore um, that day of the FKT, like those, that was the most sore my knees have ever been ever. Um, but then the next day I, you know, felt, felt pretty good. I didn't necessarily feel cashed. And, um, so I kind of just had, you know, the next few weeks to get one or two little bit longer runs in, get some power hiking practice in, um, and just kind of let my body recover from that, knowing that I'd already done most of the work that was going to get me to pikes. And so, Going into Pikes, I didn't, I, it's fun because I, you know, going into a big road race, you know, every single person that's racing, you know, everything that they've done, all of their accomplishments and just how incredible of an athlete they are. And for Pikes, I just didn't do the research because I just wanted to just go do it. I, I didn't want to go into it knowing what everybody had done. And granted, like I knew, um, I know a lot about Ashley and what she had done and how amazing her accomplishments have been and that she's been on the mountain team and, um, all of that. So I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great runner, like just a beast. And I, so I didn't really think much about it and I didn't even ask my coach, like, should I go for the win? Do you think I can win? Like I knew that my capabilities were there but I wanted to just go race. I just wanted to see what I could do because I also told myself Pikes is so ridiculous of a race. Like it's an absurd thing. Like you're running and racing up a 14er. And so I was like, I can only do what I can do. I can't do anything more than what I'm capable of. So I'm just going to go do what I can do. And then, you know, hopefully I podium. My goal was to podium because I knew that if I could get my name on the podium of that then that would also give me a good be help hopefully help me give good um content be a good contender for um the mountain team but so I yeah I kind of didn't and then so we started the race and Allie McLaughlin who I had never heard of um went out and just just took off she was just hauling this whole I think I was with her maybe for the first mile and she was just this little mountain goat that just made her way up to the top and I didn't she wasn't even in view until probably like right when we did a turnaround I think we were um 40 seconds apart at the top nice and then she started to blaze back down and I was like good for you girl because I don't I can't keep up with you I don't know like I'm good downhill but I'm just going to do what I can do and so I was just trying to focus on closing a gap and getting a lead and the next thing I knew um five miles to go was when I passed Allie and then knew I was in the lead so I was just like just hold this you know you're a really fast runner especially um I had the downhill on my side and so I was like just be smart on your feet and just you channel that road speed that I know I have and just try to like maintain the lead and so that was kind of my naive strategy for pikes sounds like it worked out really well though <laughs> yeah yeah luckily did that's just, I'm sorry but Going up pike speed, like I've, I haven't gone all the way up. I've gone up to A-frame uh, with tons of snow on the ground. You made that sound so easy. <laughs> like, oh, I was just 40 oh, no. seconds behind the leader. Like, oh, my hard. gosh. Yeah. Like, when yeah. you hit yeah. above tree line, I mean, were yeah. your lungs on fire? <laughs> you know what? 
surprisingly not. And, and like we were dealing with all of the smoke and just the poor air quality, but I didn't, I didn't even notice it to be honest. I wasn't really thinking about it. And I had gone to Pikes, um, the week before and had done 15 miles. I parked at the top and then ran seven and a half miles down. So just past bar camp. And then I ran back up just to get a feel for what it was going to be like. And I just was kind of, I had just told myself like, just get into your groove and just get into your zone. And then my mantra going up the climb was if it's runnable, run it. Otherwise just keep the momentum going, just keep moving forward. So even if I was slowing down, I was still moving forward. And that was just my strategy. Cause I had I mean, that's the second time I've ever done that type of climb. And so I had no idea what really I could, could do or what it was going to feel like. Um, so I was kind of just trying to trust trust my body and trust what my brain was telling me and <laughs> just do what I can really. I mean, that's all you can do on that crazy of a, of a mountain. Absolutely. So I, well, first of all, how do you think about pacing? Cause at marathons, like you, you just have to know exactly what you're doing. Um, and Pike's is such a variable. So how is that mental change for you? I've really enjoyed it. I think that the, where the benefit to going from road to trail for me is, is that I'm on road. I'm so focused on time. It is down to seconds and every second counts. And I'm constantly thinking about pace and all of these pieces, which I do enjoy that a lot, but I think I, I mean, you can't do that on trail. It's impossible. Like there's no point also like to even worry about pace. And so it's really been, so leading into trials, our, my strategy with my coach was just to focus on effort. And so that's something that we help our runners with, but something that we've really tuned into with my training is, I mean, my watch can tell me what it can tell me, but really like, how do I feel and where is my effort? And so that's really teed me up well for the trails because I can, it's that exact same strategy of just where's my effort? How is my breathing? can I give a little bit more? Do I need to pull back a little bit? And so that's, I feel like I've gotten really good at tuning into how I feel versus what a watch is going to tell me. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I think about on, on trail. And then I always just play games with myself. Like I get to earn this downhill, like just keep, there's always a downhill on trail. So it's like just power through this because then you get your reward of the downhill and that's just where I get to play and just have fun so I think just that's, kind of thinking about it that way that's exactly what was going through my head during the triple crown like flat after you climb that much flat to like slightly down I called them free miles yeah. <laughs> in my head I was like ah oh, yes I get some free miles now because yeah, you earn that. those uphill miles it is is I hadn't thought about him that way. I love calling him that. And that's truly really what I thought about too. I was like, well, you know that you can, gravity's going to do the work for you on the next 13 miles. So as long as I can be strong on the first 13, like gravity's going to help me. And I don't have to like necessarily work as hard. How was it coming off trail? Like were your quads screaming? Because my, the one or two times I've been up there, I hit those switchbacks down and I'm like, well, half the time I'm like, thank God I didn't clip my toe on that rock because that would be yeah. deadly. <laughs> um, yeah. But because yeah. some of those get sketchy. But then how was it when you actually hit pavement again? Um, your not home, bad. Your home actually. turf. Yeah, not bad. I 
I train a lot. We do a lot of downhill training specifically for that. And I do a lot of downhill uh, trying to use my glutes as much as possible. So I try to save my quads on the climbs because I'm really working on my glutes. And then even on the down, I'm still focusing on like my glutes are still my biggest muscles. They still should be doing a lot of the work. And so that helps me not blow out my quads and my knees. And so, um, when I got on to the pavement coming back, it was like the last mile and a half of the race. It's like, Oh, I'm in, yeah, I'm in familiar territory. Like road is where I'm comfortable. And then I really get to zone out because it was downhill. There's finally people cheering and then there's nothing to like have to worry about like worry there's about, rocks yeah. and roots like I just get to go so um that was actually um surprisingly really really lovely to see that beautiful road after all those trails <laughs> so what I, I saw this on Instagram what happened to the shorts oh, where did the dinosaur come from <laughs> so oh my gosh fill, fill us I, fill the listener in if, yeah. yes so my husband is a cookier, and so he has a custom sugar cookie business called Sugar Tats Cookies. And so he makes these custom sugar cookies. They're amazing, but I'm really competitive. And when he started doing these cookies, I was like, they're really good, but like, I don't feel like they're that hard. Like, I'm sure I could do this. And so I attempted to make the exact same cookies that he did, and they were horrendous and so we started but we, we like gave them away because they were so bad they were funny and so we started calling them rookie cookies um and then we say they're pro cookie or rookie or amateur cookies made by a pro athlete <laughs> and so we've been doing this for months now and um so he made this t-rex the other night and it's like 10 o'clock at night i go to bed early and i was he i have to make these rookie cookies because we had to ship out this order and i was like i can't make a dinosaur so i made this like squirrel lizard thing and I was like oh no it looks like this it doesn't look like a t-rex but if I make him say rar it'll look like a t-rex and it looked like it said rack like r-a-a-k and so he just like thought it was hilarious so this video of him laughing at my rack dinosaur came out so then fast forward to the night before pikes we decide that I need to put my mercuria running logo on my pink Nike shorts and we'll just use our cricket machine that we use for his cookies to stencil and iron on this logo. And so he had set it all up. And the next thing I know, I look over, we're in our hotel room and he is just white and there's smoke and melted smell coming from the iron. And he pulls the iron off of my shorts. He didn't think to put a towel between the iron and my spandex shorts melts a complete hole in the shorts that I'm going to race in tomorrow that I had already painted my nails to match. So I was very committed to them. And my coach and her husband are with us and they're just, everyone's dying laughing. And so I was like, well, I'm committed to these and I'm going to wear them. And so let's just make, uh, let's just put the dinosaur there. Cause that was going to be my mantra for the race anyway, was rack, which just makes it really fun and playful. And just like, don't forget like this, this doesn't like you're just running like it's not it's not a huge deal like we're not doing anything life life altering here, and so we uh, drew rack and the dinosaur on the hole in my shorts as well. But it was kind of just a moment of like things are gonna happen. Are you gonna let it ruin your race? No, it it's not like things like that are always gonna happen before a race. I don't care what it is, and it's just kind of like going with it and 
and, and laughing about it because this I was also like this is gonna be a great addition to my book someday is the, is the rack dinosaur and the holy shorts and winning so prizes. true <laughs> I, I it's I, truly I mean I I've, yeah I, I forgot underwear uh, to a race that unfortunately made it into the book also yeah. um, but I didn't burn a hole into my shorts so that was it's like next level right there. Yeah, and there was plenty of other choices that I had to wear. Like, I, I had other shorts, but I was just really committed to these pink ones because I really love bringing pink and lots of colors to the trails. And so I was just committed to these pink shorts. I, I love it. Um, what a, So, I mean, congrats on that race. That seemed to have gone fairly well. Yeah. Um, yes. Would you end up running, like, a 425 or something to that effect? Yeah. Yeah, 425. That's insane. Um, how, how's that compare historically to Pikes Peak? It's the 10th. I actually looked this up because, again, I was working on my resume. It's the 10th fastest women's time ever and 7th fastest American time. Okay. So, congrats. Good congrats on making uh, Team USA's mountain running team. Oh, yeah. I Hopefully. sure hope so. I'm yeah. genuinely putting it out there. No, I think it's, it's going to be kind of earth-shattering for that team. And I, I'm really, really excited about it. The fact that you could be on both, you know, the Olympic kind of marathon team, hugely, you, you're crushing. You could easily make that team if, if you continue to progress with how your mountain running is going. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if, if that Pikes type ability then propels now your, your road marathon. And if you can yeah. hold it all together and not get hurt. Um, yeah. Please. Mainly with irons and stuff. Um, but yeah. So I want to hear more about your comedy background because we haven't even really touched on that. <laughs> what yeah. What is going on? So, what was your job prior? You then decide to focus on running. It sounds like you're doing coaching and then you also do stand up? Um, sort of. So, okay. yes. Yeah, I. Um, was working for um, Otterbox here in Colorado. So they're the they're a um, local Colorado company. So I was working for them for a few years. And I was living in Chicago in 2015. And I was working for Otterbox as their Chicago rep. And I was out in Chicago because I, before that, I was living in New Zealand working for another company and started taking some acting classes when I was living in New Zealand. And knew I was going to be moving back to the States and wanted to live in Chicago because I knew that Chicago was kind of the comedy Mecca and that I wanted to study comedy and I wanted to learn improv and I wanted to be on SNL. Like that was my dream, um, in my comedy world. And so I went out there and was working and then started studying at different improv theaters and then graduated from second city's writing program out there. And so was doing just studying comedy out there and then not, too long after I think I was in Chicago for maybe a year and a half or two years and had met my now husband who is also from Colorado so we ended up moving back to Denver and so I had just gotten into the comedy scene just doing improv while still working at Otterbox out here and um then I knew I knew that and I was still running and training at this time too and I knew that I wanted to clearly I couldn't juggle all of these things and I just knew I wanted to pursue running and comedy I loved both and I just had this gut feeling that I just wanted to pursue both I didn't know what that looked like and so that's why I invented the funny runner because <laughs> I was like 
if someone asked me what I do for a living, I want it to sound legit. And so I invented the funny runner and I even made a logo and the whole thing. And, um, so I quit my job and then was doing both for a while and was teaching improv comedy. So I've actually never done stand up. So stand up terrifies me. Stand up is like the ultra, um, the ultra of comedy, I would say. Do you um, have it? Have you done stand up? I'm sorry. I've never, no, I've never I done thought you've done stand-up. some. Okay. Nope, I've never done stand-up. I had my own one-woman show, but it's all sketch comedy, which is scripted. So um, it's a little bit different. So stand-up is traditionally what you think of when you're watching someone with a microphone on you know, Netflix and they're just telling jokes. And sketch comedy is like SNL. Um, it's all scripted and it's all short scenes. And then improv comedy is what you think of. It's all on the spot. You don't Nothing scripted. It's all in the moment. And I was doing a type of improv, improv comedy with other people where it's scenes, but it's all made up on the spot. So um, that, that was what so I, terrifying. Let's that, test that out. I, I want to test out your improv skills. Oh, it's so fun. And Are honestly, you ready? I you so ready? Much. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, this is my go-to running, my local run shop that I want to support the heck out of. Runner's Roost. You of all people, Brittany, know Runner's Roost is pervasive around Colorado as a yeah. local run shop. I don't even know if they're open. I should have checked, but they are, they are open. Yes, I've been um, okay, buying obscene amounts of things from them. Yes, I amazing. love supporting them. Seriously, they, they've been awesome. Um, do you want to call and and just let's see where you take it? I mean, yeah. Dean, Dean Carnassus took it certain ways. I mean, I don't know if you want to ask about you know you what type of shoe you think would be good yeah. for mountain runners or yeah. that books? I don't know. <laughs> I'd say let her go for it. I trust her. Runners won't resist that. Uh, hi, my name is Joanna de la Montaña. And do you have mountain shoes? Uh, mountain shoes? Uh, yeah, we do have like trail running shoes or trail or hiking shoes. Yeah. Well, there are a few I'm, options. So I'm running up a mountain. Um, do you have mountain shoes? Not not for the trail, but for for the mountains. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, what colors um, of mountain shoes do you have? Um, we have about five uh, different types of shoes, and they're all in kind of different colors. Um, there's like a darker gray with a little pink in it, purple. There's like a mostly blue with a little light blue. Do you have any with dinosaurs on them? No. Oh. Um, the winner of the Pikes Peak Marathon runs in dinosaur mountain shoes. Oh, the the what lady one or the... The lady the who won. She's amazing. Oh, I didn't see what she, she was wearing. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, we don't have any with that dinosaur pattern. Oh, we should call Nike and have them do that. I <laughs> should, yeah. <laughs> Can we tell them it's us? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Pat, sorry. This this is Rob Steger with the Training for Ultra podcast, and uh, we're, we're talking wow. with the the recent winner of the Pikes Peak. Uh, talking with Brady Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, Pat. Cool. We we're trying <laughs> to support right. Runners Roost in a uh, creative awesome. way. I hope hope we didn't offend you at all. Um, no, not at all. What what like what shoe what shoe would you recommend, Pat? Like. In real terms, no dinosaurs. 
if I was going after pikes, what what shoe would you recommend for Brittany? Um, Lone Peak. Lone Peak is awesome. Um, yeah. Let me put other ones here. Speed Goat, but yeah, Lone Peak I think is the my go-to definitely. Amazing. Well, just right. Thanks for being a good sport. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> Appreciate it, Pat. Thank you. Yeah, man. absolutely. All right. Yeah, have a good one. Go runners, roost. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was, that, a, that was good. That was good. That was, that was the first time I've gotten to do that on a podcast. Um, you win. You win the Pikes Peak of podcasts. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, what, what's sad is I should have had like a few of them lined up and oh. I just, I, I love my, my local runner's roost. I don't know who else to call. If, if you have an idea, right. let me know. But otherwise. No, yeah. I would have done the exact same. I, I love just hearing about your background. I know we skipped through right to, you know, you leading the New York City Marathon. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you've made so much progress, and I think your FKT throwdown and then your Pikes Peak win, I mean, you just you just threw down in the world of ultra running like I've never seen before. And yeah. I'm really, really excited that right underneath you know your your board right underneath the olympic team is uh team usa mountain running i think that's just going to be huge for the whole sport thank you thanks that's it means a lot and i appreciate you guys reaching out to chat with me i think it's just so fun i think i think there's just such an amazing crossover that can and should be happening and that's what i'm excited to be a part of and um just getting to share my story and getting to you know, be kind of a rookie in this and just being cool with going for it. And, um, just having the support of people like you guys. And, um, you know, that's something that the trail and ultra world, I cannot speak highly enough of. That's just this unbelievably supportive group of people that just want to play and have fun too. And not to say that road doesn't, but there's certainly a lot more, um, you know, there's just a lot more play, I feel like, on the trail and just so much support from everybody. So that's why I'm just hoping I get to represent USA and on the trails and see where it can go because it's such a fun ride. Well, I genuinely yeah. hope when you're representing USA that you're wearing a plaid crop top and a <laughs> pink fake beard because if you're not... Yes! I don't know if the trail running community can claim you. And bird shorts. Like, maybe yes. that's... Jean cutoff shorts. That might be. I have them. Burnt jean cutoff shorts. I have my jorts. I wear my jorts yes. all the time. Um, seriously, Boa Running makes these disgusting jorts that I have been living in all summer, and I feel like they are just <laughs> for the trails. And so that's. Um, I'm gonna keep rocking these jorts. We should have asked Runners Roost about that. <laughs> Oh, dang it. Call Runners Roost Lakewood if you like. They would know what it would be. Um, Talk to you guys again. You're asking for jorts again, Brittany? Yeah, Brittany, we don't want to carry jorts. I want to finish with one last question, and that is what advice do you have for Alyssa going for a big FKT? Do you have any, like one or two kind of like words of wisdom as you just threw down an incredibly popular route, like a huge time, which was super impressive. Yes, I do. I, um, my mantra during my FKT was don't miss it. 
And that I just continuously kept coming back to because I had Ashley's time in my head that I knew I needed to break. And so I kept coming back to that and I kept thinking about the time and I kept, you know, letting myself think ahead. And my mantra that I had written on my wrist was don't miss it. And so I, and that was just my way to bring it right back. Like you're here right in this moment, right now, you can only give your effort. And so just don't miss it and enjoy all, all of it. Like it, cause it's going to go by so quickly and it's such an amazing thing that we get to do. So just like soak it up. And I also would also recommend uh, having Hamilton on your podcast or on your playlist. Cause I was <laughs> yes. by the end of mine, I was rapping the Hamilton and that was the only thing that was keeping me in my zone of joy. I love it. Thank you, you so much for that. I really appreciate you, it. You <laughs> weighing. It's like on your repeat. It sounds like. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. And um, where can people follow you? How can how can we stay connected with the funny runner? Yeah. So I am uh, very active on Instagram. I love sharing all of my crazy adventures. Um, so I'm on Instagram at funnyrunner26.2. I have all of my art and information on my coaching and um the rookie cookies, all of that's on my website at thefunnyrunner.com. And then um, we're also really active on our social media for our coaching with my coach. So it's mercuriarunning.com or on Instagram at mercuriarunning. And it's like Freddie Mercury, but like the female version. That's what we say. Um, so we're super active on there. And then, um, yeah, like I'm just excited to keep sharing so hopefully people are um enjoying the ride too i can't thank you yeah thanks for your time i I can't wait to stay in touch and see where you take this all seems like you're you're right on your path to your uh your board world domination yeah (laughs) well same to you guys keep crushing it it's been fun to get connected and see what other people are doing big things like you guys so keep it up as well thanks Thanks, Brittany. All right. Bye. And that was episode 144. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Brittany Charbonneau for taking so much of her time. Big thank you to Alyssa Clark, as always, co-hosting. Giant thank you to all the sponsors of the show and supporters. Big shout out to you, Patreon supporters. You guys make this all work. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Kogala, and Destination Trail. Have a great week. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See you guys.